We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugo. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. Go ahead and follow me on there, at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. I'm verified for now until Elon takes that away. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKID206, not CKID206. All right. This is our midweek uh, episode. Uh, just a behind the scenes look. We we're recording on Tuesday. By the time you guys hear this on Wednesday when it drops, I will be in the air on the way to Munich uh, for the Germany game. Oop, excited about that. Uh, the Seahawks are going to go over there and play the Bucks. The Bucks, who are oof, first place in their division at four and five, the Seahawks have first place in their division at at, at six and three. Um, the plan for us is to have our special guest this week be Greg Almond, who covers the Bucks. Um, for the athletic that'll be later in the show for now chris um maybe we should talk a little bit about this seahawks team uh like this it it's fascinating the the pivot the the state of both teams compared to what people maybe thought when they saw this game on the schedule it might be like ah damn brady and the bucks might go over there to germany and kick the seahawks ass now not now that the game is here it's the Seahawks might go to Germany and send Tom Brady back into another retirement uh, with uh, with how with how good uh, they've been. Before we get into some of the other stuff we want to talk about, I'm going to throw this, this question to you. What surprised you the most about either team so far through nine weeks? Well, for one, what's fascinating, you talked about when this when the schedule came out and what was it early May? Yeah. And we found out that the Seahawks will be taking on the pay, the Patriots. <laughs> taking on the Buccaneers with Tom Brady, my head immediately went to the spread. Oh, Tampa Bay is going to be favored by nine points, if not more, depending on how bad this Seahawks defense is. Can Geno muster muster up enough points on the offensive end? That's what I thought. It's going to be ugly. And here we are. The date has arrived. The game is on Sunday coming up. And the Buccaneers are favored by two and a half points. Which is crazy because the Seahawks have won how many games, Mike? Four straight games. Four in a row by double digits. By yeah. double digits. 
And for some reason, they they were saying, yeah, that's great, but Tom Brady was able to lead his team with 50-something seconds left in the game and win over the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. That is fascinating that the Seahawks aren't favored. But now that the time is here, I think the Seahawks hear all the noise, and what's what's cool is they pay attention to that, whether they actually admit it or not. I've read multiple stories where some players, yeah, they pay attention to it. Coaches will never flat out say, yeah, we read what you say. They just they just throw sub, some little jabs here and there like, yeah, we hear what people are saying. We don't really care about it. But I guarantee you in that locker room, if Mike says, oh, in a, in a headline, Mike maybe has a, a strong criticism of how things are going, that'll be the headline lo- into the locker room like, oh, this is what Dugard thinks about how we're doing this season. Let's go and show these guys what we can and can what we can do and do it for the whole season. And at first, the defense to start off this year was rocky. If the offense and the defense were on the same page, dare I say the Seahawks could be 9-0. and <laughs> That's the difference right there is the fact that the defense wasn't playing on all cylinders. Maybe 8-1 and because the 49ers game, they just got, they got, they got crushed. Maybe I'm speaking too much hyperbole, but when you look at the totality of what this team has done over these past nine weeks, it's really cool, man. Everybody had their doubts to start the season, and then you fast forward nine weeks, and you're like, damn, this team could actually be in contention for a deep playoff run, and then that SB word starts to come into mind, Super Bowl. There is not one person listening to this podcast, Mike didn't believe it, I didn't believe it, that said this team could be on the Super, make it to the Super Bowl. Now, when we did the radio show over the summer, and we had Ty Lockett in studio, what did Ty Lockett say? We believe we're Super Bowl contenders. And me and you look at each other like, yeah, all right, man. We we get that you're going to say that because you believe it. But have you seen your roster, man? You had Geno Smith and Drew Locke trying to fight for the number one starting quarterback spot. <laughs> they ain't going to get it done. And Geno is getting it done. He has proven to be an elite thrower in this game. He makes good decisions. He checks into the right plays. And then again, I, we talked about I talked about the defense. They have figured it out. You mentioned putting the best players on the field. Clint Hurt, Pete, they have gotten together and figured out who their best guys are that are going to give them maximum production, and it shows. So I would say I am just stunned at how bad the Buccaneers are record-wise because if you look at their – if you look at the stats and the more information that you're getting about this team, it's weird. They lose 21-3 to to a bad – Carolina Panthers team (laughs) you read the stats you're like oh how they only gave up 14 points defensively so where'd the other touchdown come I think it was maybe a pick six or something whatever the case may be this team is a weird team I I understand they're giving a lot of credit to Tom Brady and what they have overall they got Julio Jones Mike Evans they got dudes over there that can play football but for whatever reason it hasn't resulted in wins consistently and now they're going up against a Seahawks team that has found the consistency. And everybody can rule them out. They know what they're capable of doing, Mike. You've been in the locker room. You've talked to the players. I'm sure they've told you over and over again, we know what we can do. We are aware of how good we can be. We have things circled on the calendar of goals that we want to reach and accomplish. Whether or not you, myself, fans believe it, they believe it. And I think that's the really cool part. And this game is is huge for both teams, huge for the Seahawks because if they win and they become seven and three, they're right at the hills of the Minnesota Vikings. 
They're right there. Eagles, they're just really, really good. Maybe it does come down to the Seahawks and Eagles, but winning on Sunday, knocking off Tom Brady, who a great comeback win on Sunday against the Rams. That I thought they were going to lose. And then Tom Brady flashed back to the past, and we can talk about that with our guest Greg Allman coming up later on in the show. But that has been impressive. Two teams are kind of jostling for position, more so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're, as you mentioned, four and five in the NFC South, which is just really bad division right now. But then the NFC West, you got two good teams, and that's the Niners and the Seahawks. Either way, I, I didn't throw any – I'm not trying to throw shade here by putting the Niners first. I think the Seahawks are the better football team right now, but defensively the Niners are getting healthy. It'll be a fun matchup as the year progresses. But I'm just shocked by how well the Seahawks have played so far through nine games, and I'm kind of shocked at how bad the Buccaneers have been looking overall and just their record at four and five. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought that having this pod today that I'd be saying, oh, man, the Seahawks are definitely, definitely going to be in position to really win this game and send a message to the NFC. Yeah, the, the quarterbacks, I would say, and their relative performances are perhaps the most shocking thing uh, to everyone, uh, generally speaking, you know, besides anyone in Gino's family, uh, perhaps, because I mean, because you look at the two quarterbacks in the situation and I, I just saw I just retweeted um, something where uh, Gino's like a superimposed image of Gino is like put on a tower in Munich uh, right now. Gino just retwe- uh, quote tweeted it and it just shows you just how wild this season is that like the marquee player in this game is Gino Smith. Uh, which is just just nuts, and it's and it's not just that Geno's playing well. Uh, that's surprising me, although that is part of it. Is that Tom Brady just looks cooked, you know? Because the Bucks aren't the Bucks aren't actually that bad. They're like they're like uh, let me see what they are in DVOA by Football Outsiders, which you know accounts for who they played and all this stuff. Uh, yeah, the Bucks are the Bucks are tenth. You know, the Seahawks are fifth, which is also surprising. Uh, but the Bucks are tenth. See, the Seahawks have the 10th best point differential. They're plus 21. The Bucs are only 15th at minus two. You know, they're like the best of the teams with the negative uh, point differential. So um, those are just two metrics. So the the teams are kind of pretty evenly matched in some regards. Uh, The Bucs have had a more consistent uh, defense. You know, even in that game they lost to Carolina, the offense has scored three. Yeah. That's more surprising. Carolina can put, Carolina put up 21 um, against them, which is like, more than you would think, but 21 in an NFL game is not like, oh, my God, how did that happen? Three points in an NFL game uh, is the, the Tom Brady and the weapons you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brady threw 49 times uh, for 290 yards and mm. uh, no touchdowns, obviously, because they, they scored three points. Yeah, that that's the, the, the part that's kind of thrown me as we get to this point in the game at this point in the season it's that it's not that the Seahawks are better there was a world where that was the case it's that why the Seahawks are are, are better than the Bucks. it's that they have the better quarterback and ain't nobody would have said that in April in May in June July August or September, even September. <laughs> nobody would have said that in September that the Seahawks have the better quarterback um even though Gino had a good game against the Falcons but I think that was his last game in the month of September it was October where the, the tide started to turn but yeah just just two months ago, nobody would have said that the, the Seahawks have the best quarterback. And it's not even close. That's the, the other craziest part. The gap between Tom Brady and Geno Smith is wide, significantly wide. Like you know, Tom's bad in a lot of areas statistically, and just you see the film. They could both sling some throws in there every once in a while. 
I mean, they should they should have they they honestly shouldn't have even needed that drive against the uh, that final drive to beat the Rams because when I watched the tape uh, back, Scotty Miller drops a touchdown. Yeah, uh, I forgot about that. On Good the point. Previous drive on third and goal, I think he drops it, and then they go. He drops it on second and goal, and then Kate Otten, I think, drops one on third and goal, uh, and then on fourth down, he just says throw in the double coverage, and then they get the ball later and then drive down and score. But yeah, like they had the game quote-unquote one twice uh, to me before having to need that uh, – for needing that drive. So – the uh, but still, that would have only been what? How many points did they score to win the game? 15? Uh, something something like that. 16 wasn't – it wasn't great. So, yeah, the quarterback play has just – you just couldn't have – if someone would have uh, been able to forecast that Geno is so much better than Tom in the year 2022, like that, hopefully that person bought some Powerball tickets or make millions – whatever you know went to the casino because that's just that's vision that no one would have had the seahawks wouldn't even have told you that they would have thought brady's having a good year and so is gino uh and it's it's not even really it's not even really close gino has better uh mvp odds Gino has better numbers across the board um gino is like almost a lock to make the pro bowl in the nfc brady probably won't even be in the discussion um unless he turned turned it around so that that's that's incredible uh that that's just un, unreal. Like I fully expect Gino to play better than Tom Brady in Munich. I, I do. Uh, even with the, the weapons that they have on the, on the respective sides of the ball. The, the other thing that's kind of interesting in the matchup in particular, and I was thinking about this when I was doing a preview for, uh, or not a preview. I was doing a, like a, my, my mid season projections for the second half of the season. And I was looking at Seattle's run numbers and they've had some pretty concerning numbers statistically. So, Seattle, when it, it um, in terms of running the ball and either going for zero yards or for negative yards, so either getting stuffed or you're losing yards, that happens to the Seahawks 23% of the time. That's the fifth highest rate in the league. That's bad. That's bad. That's a lot of being behind the chains or behind schedule, or however you want to phrase that. Um, and the Seahawks also run into loaded boxes, in this case, eight or more defenders, so a stacked box. They run it into stacked boxes 45% of the time. That's damn near half, and that's the fifth highest rate in the league. So the Seahawks run into stacked boxes way more than they should, and they when they do run into those, or not just when they run into those, when they run in general, they're going nowhere or going negative a lot of the time. Now, Kenneth Walker is one of the most explosive running backs in the league, so it's kind of balanced it out, but it's become a little bit of a feast or famine thing. Either Ken's going for like 20 or they're going for zero or negative and against some, some better defenses and against the run, like we're about to see on Sunday, the bucks have a, a fairly successful run defense. Then uh, that's kind of concerning me a little bit. That's something I'm curious about, not only in this matchup, but going forward, these guys got Vita Vea. The Rams have Aaron Donald, who they're going to see twice in the back half of the season. The Rams have a nasty D line and uh, a nasty, or excuse me, the 49ers have a nasty D line and a nasty linebacker duo uh, headlined by, Fred Warner. The Jets defense is serious now. Uh, that's four. I think those are four of the top 10 run defenses in the league. Um, at least four games could play the Rams twice. So that's four games against uh, top 10 run defenses. And, and depending on what metric you want to use, I'm using success rate uh, by true media. So that's tough. That's this is the beginning of Chris. What we're going to see is a really important stretch of can the Seahawks run the ball against good teams? Because, Chris, we both know the Lions, <laughs> trash run defense. 
Uh, <laughs> unless they're playing the Packers. Uh, the Falcons, trash run defense. Chargers, trash run defense. The Cardinals are like okay-ish um, up front, but if you get behind their second level, like just get to the backers, you can you can go. Um, so like they've played some anywhere from mediocre to bad run defenses, and now they're gonna get they're gonna get some bad ones too. The Chiefs are bad, the, Ra- the Raiders are bad, the Panthers are bad, but those other games that they're gonna play are going to be against teams that can stop the run um, a little better. So that's something I'm a little bit con- uh, concerned about. Or not concerned, just mostly curious going forward. Can they run the ball against better teams um, and avoid though, getting behind schedule? Because I don't care how good your offense is. When you're consistently in second and 10 or third and 10 or third and nine or even worse, third and 11, second and 11 and stuff like that, that's hard to overcome. So we need to see how they do against the Bucks in that regard uh, and then how they do going forward. Well, I think also we have to remember that at one point we questioned could Gino really run the offense and pass the ball and make those tough throws, and he answered the call. They were listening, whether it be people reading stories, whatever the case may be, they heard it, and what did Pete do? Hey, you know, we got to open up to Gino, let him throw, because he can do it, and we're all like, "Eh." and then Gino responds, have you guys seen me throw? Like, I can do, like, this is nothing to me, and they have figured that out. And it's not to say that they're going to figure out the run game and they're going to come out and have 100. Kenneth Walker's going to have 120 yards on the ground, a touchdown here and there. Travis Homer comes in 40 something yards. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but for the most part, they've answered the call. They've done it defensively. Can this defense really turn it around? I didn't think they could. They were running out of time. If you ask me, after that Saints game, I was like, I don't know what you guys are seeing and what you guys can do. Maybe it got to a point where Mike's over here. Chris, man, send me some names that you see. Uh, what's the website called, Mike? Uh, I, I've heard people refer to it as Spotrack. I've been calling it Spotrack. Um, <laughs> okay. But I, me, hey, now I don't know. <laughs> well, you, hey, Chris, go on Spotrack, Spotrack. Look at some of those free agents and see who is the best available and, let, and send them to me. And maybe I can come up with an idea of who the Seahawks might go after the following week to help this defense get better. They didn't even do that, Mike. It was internal. They just made a few adjustments, figured it out, and then the following week, they put up a really solid defensive effort against a not great Arizona Cardinals team that's missing D-hop. Hold them to nine points. The following week, they go up against the Chargers, who have Mike really, Williams. Really three points in that Cardinals game because they, they scored on a block punt. That's true. You're right. Yeah. And then they go up against the Chargers and only allow them to get 23 points. And shut down Mike Williams. Ken Allen doesn't even finish the game. I know he's banged up, but he was available and didn't really do much. So and that game's really 21 points because the Chargers got a safety. You know, it's like you, you get the point. So all I'm getting to is that the Seahawks for the most part has answered the call. And then when Mike's saying, Okay, well, I'm curious about those negative run yards, it's either bang or bust. Well, okay, can they do that? Can they figure it out and be and sustain a positive run ratio against a decent Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Can Kenneth Walker find daylight on multiple occasions? That's going to be the key. And then they got to continue out the season because, as you mentioned, four defenses that are pretty good top 10 in the league, especially when it comes to stopping the run. That is going to be very fun to watch and see come this Sunday and for the rest of the season. Who thought we'd be talking about this with the Seahawks going into Week 10? I didn't. 
Yeah. Well, I knew that the run, the run part would be important. Anytime you play a team that has Vita Vea, the run is going to be <laughs> very important. That dude is, he is, he is very, he is serious. Um, yeah. And he's just so, so big. And he's one of the guys who doesn't play with gloves. Um, he's just no, a nasty human with like, who, how you not play with gloves and you. <laughs> yeah. No gloves. He don't got, he has, he has this like kick-ass aesthetic, you know, exactly. like, I, I enjoy Jordan Brooks's football aesthetic. You know, he's got like the sleeves, the visor. Like Jordan looks very cool. He looks like, violent. <laughs> yeah, the only thing he's really missing is a single digit number. And if he had a single digit number oh, with sleeves, all I think pro. he wore number one in college too. Give him all pro, just based off that. <laughs> yeah, I think some. Yeah, he, he he has like an all pro football aesthetic. Let me see what Jordan. I gotta look up what he uh what what he what number he wore in college. But I think it was I think it was a single digit number. Can you find that for me, Jordan? Uh, Jordan Brooks, Texas Tech. Uh, but yeah, Vita just has the exact opposite. He's like, nah, man, just give me my pads, give me my cleats, you know, and I'm just gonna go kick, kick somebody's ass, man. So uh, is, that's, yeah, that's, he was number one. You're correct. He was number one. Okay, that's what I, that's yeah. what I thought. Uh, yeah. So I think yeah, it, I, I had a feeling we were talking about that. Um, the other the other thing that I'm really interested in going not only going forward but in this game in particular is the the pass rush. Um, ready for some nerd stats, Chris? I got a couple nerd stats for Let's you. Let's do it, man. Um, it's gonna yeah, start with you, huh? <laughs> Maybe not nerd stats, but it just 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 something I thought was interesting. Again, when I was kind of looking at the pre the previewing of the the final eight games of the season, kind of starting with this Bucks game. Um, so the Seahawks since week uh, six, which is when you know the uh, the the turnaround happened when Taysom Hill ran all over them. Uh, they only had one sack in that game. The Seahawks lead the league in sacks since week mm. six. They're at 19. The Patriots also have 19 because the Patriots defense on any given night can just shut people down. It's pretty impressive. Um, they have games like they had against the Bears on Monday night, but for the most part, the Bears, the Patriots can find out what you do well and shut that shit down. Um, uh, I was curious. I was like, hmm, how often are they blitzing to get that number? Because I think one of the one pod that we had, I suggested that they blitz a little bit more uh, to generate. Yeah, we right. both did. We talked about yeah. it. Yeah. And they've gone in the opposite direction. So <laughs> it's since since week six, the Seahawks lead the league in sacks. They are last in blitz rate, uh, according mm. to True Media. They're only blitzing 10% of the time and still getting home. That is incredibly impressive and something that I'm one is I'm very curious if that regresses or if that continues. Because you look at Brady, Brady has a second lowest sack rate in the league. Yeah, I think it's like three percent, which is ridiculous. Like for for reference, like Russ Russ was usually like in in double digits. You know, <laughs> hell, let me see what Russ, I don't have it pulled up. What Russ is in right now? Uh, but Russ is, oh uh, yeah, dude. Uh, Russ is at nine point two, which is the fourth highest in the league. Justin Fields, bless his heart, is at fifteen percent. That boy's gonna die uh, before <laughs> before that rookie deal ends. Fifteen percent is insane. Uh, but yeah, like Russ is at nine percent. Let me see where Gino's at. Where do you think Gino's at? Take a guess, real quick, before I pull it up. Ooh, percentage-wise, I don't even know, man. Give me the answer. I don't even take a guess. He is at six point nine percent. I was gonna say four point nine, and I'm glad I didn't say anything. Thank you. Yeah, six point nine, <laughs> which is uh, pretty. I think that's like top ten. Um, so he's 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 getting hit quite a bit, uh, but like he gets sacked twice as often as Tom Brady, you know, like that. That's pretty crazy. So it's like, can the can the Seahawks get, continue to get to the quarterback without having to send extra guys? Because once you do that, you keep the numbers advantage in coverage. You can bracket guys. You can uh, you can put guys underneath the other team's best receivers, whether it's a Mike Evans or a Cooper Cup or all the guys that the Niners can throw to or. 
uh, whoever, Devontae Adams when they play the Raiders, you know, DJ Moore when they play the Panthers. They're going to, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey when they play the Chiefs. They're going to have games where it's just like you want that numbers advantage and coverage so you can kind of shut down the other team's passing game and get you, get off the field. Uh, to do that, you want to be able to, to rush uh, without sending extra guys. And I didn't think the Seahawks had been – would be as good as they are without doing that. You know, it's, um, it's actually kind of, kind of scary to think about, you know, a team loses Jamal, their best blitzer and honestly one of their best pass rushers and they just stop blitzing and then still have one of the better pass rushers in the league. I think even if you take out that from week six to nine filter that I have on it, the Seahawks are still like, yeah, they're sixth in sack rate, you know, just for the season. And they're fourth in total sacks for the season, too. So, the, yeah, the rate that they can get to the quarterback is really impressive without blitzing because, yeah, I, we both agreed after whatever game it was, it was like, send go <laughs> send the soldiers. Go send the soldiers. And then, nope, Shelby Harris and Puna Ford and Uchenna Nuosu decided. We don't need okay, it. We are the soldiers. Yeah. That's, what, yeah, that, that, that's what they said. So I've been, I'm, I've, I've been impressed by that, and that's something I want to see particularly in this game, because I got one more nerd stat for you. Uh, on hey, Do I got time for one more? Yeah, let's do it. Tom Brady, I believe, uh, has the fastest average time to throw in the league, according to True Media, 2.2 seconds. I saw it as 2.4 somewhere else. Maybe that's a next-gen number. Either way, he's the fastest uh, in the league. So he's getting it out very fast, and he's not getting hit, which is smart for a 45-year-old guy playing football. <laughs> Uh, I, I must I must say, uh, but that's going to be put to the test, I think, against uh, the Seahawks. And if they if they continuously let the ball get out quick, you know, that that's going to be tough. That is going to be tough, Unless they, especially if they go back to where they was in tackling. And I, don't, I also look they, their run game. They can't run the football. So the Seahawks definitely should have the advantage there. If they're just going to throw quick passes. I'm very confident in Mike Jackson and Tariq Woolen and the DBs to stay in front of these guys and just make tackles on those quick passes. Because that's what it comes down to, not missing. Because if you make one guy miss and there's a good block, okay, this becomes a problem. You saw that in the Sunday night game. Their first play of the game was a screen to a tight end. Everyone, One guy misses a tackle and the tight end runs for 70 yards. Those are the little things that – if you make the tackle, it's a no gain or a loss. <laughs> That's the difference right there. So, yeah, if Tom Brady's going to be getting it out quick, okay, the Seahawks just have to really – and you mentioned, okay, can they continue to tackle as well as they are? Because if they regress, okay, yeah, th this could be a game where 2.2 seconds, guys are making defenders miss, and that is causing points to be on the board. Guys are getting explosive plays. That becomes an issue. So you're right about that, absolutely. Yeah, man. If they they got the soldiers up front and it's they're doing it, I would say they're doing it without a premier pass rusher, you know, like on paper, like a premier guy you would think of a Miles Garrett, a TJ Watt, a, um, even a Brian Burns, a, you know, all, all, all these guys who are like the Micah Parsons and Chenna, Chenna Nuosu has been right there as good as all those guys leading that charge he's now becoming the guy because i think i said this before too and we said this in the past it's very tough to just consistently not have a guy the other team has to double because then the numbers are no longer in your favor you're rushing four well they got five guys blocking so <laughs> unless they have to dedicate a second guy consistently to you um they have the numbers advantage and it's going to be you guys everybody has to uh win a bunch of matchups that don't favor them. Whereas if they got a double a guy, well then boom, 
there you go. You got some one-on-one matchups. And eventually, you would like to think your guys, even if they're not premier dudes, can win one-on-one matchups. Chenna has become that guy very quickly. Uh, and it's crazy, too, because we don't consider – I'm not saying we like me and you, but I feel like Chenna is not perceived as like a young guy, quote-unquote, because he's in year five. five yeah. But like he's younger than Puna. Which is crazy. Yeah, yeah he's <laughs> 25. Like he is – is he the same age as LJ Collier? No, I thought LJ was old, older, right? Isn't LJ like 27? Uh, LJ is born in 1995 in September. Okay, so you're yeah. doing math. Uh, he is I, tw- <laughs> I got you. Uh, Wikipedia <laughs> handles that for us. Uh, he is 27. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, cool. But he's only in year four. Yeah. Uh, and then Chenna's in year five, and he is two years younger. Um than, than LJ. So like Chenna is one of those quote unquote young guys uh, on their roster, which man, a dude that's having his best season getting better at 25. Yeah. That that's, I can see why the optimism on that side of the ball was there. Yeah. Chenna's the same age as Daryl Taylor, mm. you know, and Daryl's considered one of the young guys uh, as well. They got the pieces there. I used to, I was kind of referring to the, the, the D line earlier is earlier in the year is like that's where all the veterans are, which it kind of is. Al Woods, you know, Puna, uh, Q Jeff, Shelby. Uh, but then you got young athletic cats like DT and and, and Chenna on the edge. It's that that that's impressive, man. That's dope. Absolutely. Well, let's not waste any more time. We got a special guest, Greg Amon, about to join us via the athletic, covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're gonna get into Tom Brady, maybe a little bit of Mike Evans, just the matchup-wise, because it's, it, it should be a fun game. Right now, the Buccaneers are favored at two and a half. We'll see who he thinks is going to win the game, and we'll, we'll do that next here on Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, it looks like we have Greg ready on the line. Again, Greg Amon covers the Bucks for the Athletic. Uh, I will see him in Munich uh, here for this game. Greg, what's going on? 
It's good to be in this country with you, Mike. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, man, we got a lot of travel uh, ahead of us. I told the listeners earlier, like, by the time you guys are hearing this, me and Greg are probably in the air. I know I know, I will be, and Greg's uh, leaving, I think, Thursday yeah. uh, to head out there. Uh, we have uh, we had you on the podcast before, I think, for the 2019 game uh, when the, the Seahawks were, yeah. or the Bucks were starting, Jameis. Uh, and I think at that time, we, that's back when we were doing our predictions towards the end of the show and just having the, the guests do them, leave them out to dry, having them do it by themselves. Um, we've been a little kinder this year. We're actually doing our predictions earlier in the show, and then everyone's going to do one. So we're not just going to leave you out to dry. However, <laughs> you do have to go first. <laughs> oh, wow. You got to okay. do that. Yep, we're going to put you on the spot in that regard. Uh, Chris, what's the spread? It's a two and a half. Yes, it is the Patriots. Why do I keep saying Patriots? My goodness. Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus. <laughs> yes, but that shouldn't be an excuse. I've seen Brady for multiple years with the Bucks now. I should have this down. <laughs> Bucks minus two and a half. All right. Give us give us a score, Greg. Yeah, you know, um, them beating the Rams makes it tougher because they were really bad for three games there. Uh, so to kind of get back on track a little bit the offense has not gotten back on track but the defense certainly did um the location makes it really hard to peg because they have no idea which team is going to handle the travel and the newness of being in another continent um i think the bucks will be able to score i don't know if they'll be able to stop seattle from scoring right now so i kind of like points um i like the over more than i like either side of the spread right now um if i were guessing right now I'll say the Bucks pull it out, uh, something like 31-27. I think they'll score better than they have uh, certainly in the last, whatever, five games. Um, so right now that's what, that's what it feels like. But, again, all it takes is, you know, we don't know if Antoine Winfield's going to play. We don't know if Julio's going to play. There's a couple still pretty big injury questions to get answered. All right. All right, I, next. Yep, I will go – I, I said this a few weeks ago. I'm done picking against the Seahawks, all right? I, I done lost a few games. Denver, for example, I, that was bad. But anywho, I'm going to take the Seahawks to win this game. I think Geno might have that game-winning drive. It's about that time. Nine weeks into the season, he's played really well. They're 6-3. and three. We still haven't seen him close a game where he's leading this team with two minutes left or something, maybe one minute to a touchdown or a field goal. I'm going to say the Seahawks – Win a tight one, 27 to 24. All right. Uh, I will, I'm going to take, the, I'm going to take the Seahawks as well. Um, a lot, uh, even closer. Uh, I think I, I'm expecting actually the defense, both defenses to play, to play well. Cause I, when I watched the, the game against the Rams, I saw a defense that like, uh, they, those dudes look pissed. They looked, <laughs> They looked very pissed, yeah. like they had something to prove. Uh, and I mean, it helps that the Rams' offense sucks. Um, but so I'll take I'll take the Seahawks, um, twenty-one to twenty. Uh, mm. Actually, I'm taking a very, very, very close one, man. Like this, it just feels like that. Be, and it's it's like they're on the Seahawks only like primetime game since Monday night. Uh, feels it's not primetime because it's like nine thirty Eastern. But That's right. it's the it's, it's the, early morning. It's the window where they're the only game on. Yeah, which in effect becomes primetime. It's not prime, but like it's a right. solo shot. And, and you know? everybody's time zones are going to be so off; it'll feel like prime time, no matter where you are. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just actually. Exactly. So, and fantasy football now has gotten a lot more people, I think, to open to the idea of waking up early for these games, so you can set your roster. Yeah. You know, depending on who's in some of these sure. uh, these 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 uh, games overseas. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going with the. I don't know how I'm, I'm doing good in our little expert picks thing. Uh, I saw Chris. I'm like Very 71 good. and 51. 
or something. You turned it around because you were so harsh on yourself earlier in the yeah, year. Yeah, oh. not looking not looking good there. I was I was questioning the definition of expert. <laughs> that was my fix there. Uh, let's jump into. You want to jump into Brady first, Chris? Yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and kick things off because as you can see on the ticker there, rough season for Brady, and it's weird because he's also forty five years old. He's going through a divorce, so this question can go a thousand different ways. And I've watched a few games. It doesn't look like he's bad, but for whatever reason, it doesn't result in wins. And they're four and five right now, looking to go five and five, obviously. But how would you assess the struggles for Brady this season? What do you pinpoint? Okay, this is an area that he struggled with this season, whether it be health with receivers or the running game. What have you noticed that's been like, ah, this is why Brady is struggling? Yeah, it definitely hasn't been himself. I mean, the guy threw 43 touchdowns last year, and we're more than halfway through the season. He has 10. So <laughs> a big drop off there. I mean, he's done the right things in terms of limiting his mistakes. He's being really, really careful not to throw picks. Um, it's cool. If he throws, I think, 29 passes without a pick Sunday, he'll break the NFL record for most consecutive throws without a pick. Uh, it's like he used wow. to have the record, then Aaron Rodgers broke his record. And now he's gone. I think he's at like 373 throws without a pick, which is crazy. Wow. But that isn't. Yeah, it's a cool number, but he's also doing it without really trying as hard to make plays and go downfield <laughs> and take risks. Um, they used to be, you know, no risk and no biscuit. And I don't even know what the slogan is this year. <laughs> um, yeah, really careful. I, can, I should come up with a better rhyme than that. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those where it, you mentioned there's some, there's things around him that, it's not just Brady at 45. Um, yep. His offensive line isn't the same. He's got two young starters at left guard and center. Um, they they switched at left guard, actually. They have a different starter now, a kid named Nick Leverett, who's been much better um, than than the rookie, Luke Gedeke, they had in the first six games of the season. Um, receivers are not as open. Receivers are dropping passes. He hasn't had the same connection, even with guys like Evans and Godwin that he's been with for, for three years. Um, red zone has been a mess third day down has been bad uh like their offense third and seven or longer um they were converting 10 percent five for 50 uh going into sunday it's crazy it's, it's literally the worst any team since 1994 has been uh that it's like the nasty. closest was uh, the marcus russell raiders team in oh <laughs> uh, which you don't often put brady and russell into the same conversation um they had two oh, conversions on third and long Sunday, so they're a little bit better there. It's like 14% now. Um, so, yeah, Brady, like <laughs> I said, Brady, it's still really bad. Um, and you get the sense that they're starting to get healthy. They're starting to get right. Um, this defense got two big ones back. They got Akeem Hicks back Sunday. They got Carlton Davis back Sunday. They could get Antoine Winfield back in Munich. Um, but, yeah, the offense – just hasn't been itself their running game is really bad the worst in the nfl um in yards per game the worst in nfl history um jeez so, yeah it's pretty rough um worst in the league in yards per carry as well so lots of areas where they can get better it's just we keep thinking oh this is a get right game or something like that and it hasn't been um even winning i mean, I mean for them to win sunday was great but they won you know, they didn't find the end zone until there were nine seconds left in the game. So it's not really solving problems. It's just getting through them. So you mentioned his touchdowns, 10. He's 30th in TD rate. So that just coincides with your point. Like, yeah, he's not taking much of a risk here. He's, you know, hey, we're going to throw it away or just whatever the case may be. So he's not attacking the field, but attacking the DBs, I should say. So how do you think this matchup fares for them when, 
the Seahawks have figured out who they are defensively. They have a young Tariq Woolen that's apparently getting bored. And you got Mike Evans, who is still, I would consider, an elite wide receiver, but for whatever reason, the connection between him and Brady hasn't been the same. Chris Godwin, I know he's coming off an injury. How do you see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trying to attack the Seahawks, especially if their run game is kind of – not kind of, it is bad. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to throw it a lot. I mean, Brady threw it 58 times on Sunday. Um, Damn. And I, I keep thinking like, oh, you know, take it easy on the old man's arm, find some offensive balance. But they don't run the ball well, so it, it's kind of hard to argue against just throwing like crazy. Um, yeah, it's – you know, Godwin doesn't have a touchdown. We're in week 10, and Godwin doesn't have a touchdown. Mike Evans is, is getting yards – consistently but he only has three scores julio jones has kind of come and gone with injury russell gage has come and gone with injury uh they definitely miss rob gonkowski um the the touchdown that kate Otten caught on sunday was great it was the first one by a tight end all season so um i don't know in terms of how aggressive they'll be or whether they'll attack you want to say oh there's there's rookies out there maybe they start attacking but woolen's done really well i mean this in terms of rookie impact seattle's probably got the best team in the in the, the nfl so as much as you say, oh, there's rookies, they should go after them. Hasn't really gone well for other people that have tried that. Real quick last one for you, me, and, and the Brady scenario. But also, I kind of want to look at Leonard Fournette because he tweeted out, I want to maybe it was a month ago, sorry, fantasy owners, like more touchdowns to come. <laughs> what did you What did you make of that, especially with how bad the running game has been? Did he not realize things probably won't get better, or was he really optimistic that they can turn things around and he's going to get in the end zone? Yeah, Lenny, it's funny. You go back two years and like Fournette, you know, was kind of, you know, got cut by the Jaguars and then was kind of on the bench in Tampa and kind of caught a break in that Ronald Jones had COVID issues and then hurt his hand. And Lenny got to have that, that postseason run where he had, you know, all these great games. He's getting touchdowns every week, going for 100 yards, basically helped take him to the Super Bowl. And he's not the same guy this year. I mean, he's been a step slower. He's the worst at worst back in the NFL in short yardage. He's like four for 11 on third and one this year. Um, Sheesh. and some of that is not having the same blockers. I mean, he had, he had a pro bowl guard and a pro bowl center last year and they're both gone, but, um, you know, he's in danger of kind of losing his carries. They got a rookie named Rashad white, uh, from Arizona state that that's been really strong that has, has kind of shown promise and is, is picking up a little bit more, uh, of the job share every, every week. Um, and Lenny's run out of time. I mean, Lenny had nine for 19 on Sunday, <laughs> Um, was on the field at the end, had a catch for like four yards on that final drive to help him win, but hasn't really made plays. His longest run all season, I think, is 17 yards, and he's usually good for like a 40 run every once in a while. Um, So, yeah, I mean, this is – you don't know. This could be a game where things wake up. I mean, the Seahawks, I think, are giving up like 138 a game on the ground. It's not a good run defense, but I don't know that the Bucs are really well equipped to, to attack that and take advantage of that. You said nine for 19, like my man was going on a tour date. <laughs> yeah, nine for 19. It was like it was like opening drive. The, the, the <laughs> Bucks have this thing where the fans get infuriated because Leftwich likes to run on first down, just likes to assert, establish the run. And every time the Bucks run on first down, like Bucks Twitter loses their mind. Mm. And opening drive, they had four first downs and they ran Fournette on four plays and he got 11 yards out of four plays, which is even what they average. Um, I think he had five for 11 on the opening drive uh, and again, finished with 19 yards. So it's just, again, you'd sit there and say, wow, Seattle's given up some raw. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, I forget which game it was. Somebody went for over 200 on Seattle running the ball. I think Atlanta had a good game against them running. The yeah. Ball. Cordell Patterson had a career day. Yes. That's what it was. Cordell. Cordell. So 
mean, again, that he's like, well, that maybe they could. They have not had a good run game since week one against Dallas. Um, they're averaging like literally 60 yards a game right now. Yeah, every every step. Walker, like Kenneth, Walker, to... Kenneth Walker has more. Kenneth Walker has more rushing yards than the Bucks do, more than halfway through the season. <laughs> That, see, every stat, every stat Greg has given us in this just short time he's been on the show has been just insane. Yeah. Just, just insane. The 10% on third and third and uh, what was it, seven or longer? So third, is that what it was? Uh, yeah. Third and yeah, seven? Third and it's, not like it's, it's not like it's third and 11 or longer. Third and seven. Like, I'm not even sure you can count that as third and long. Five <laughs> five conversions all season before they had two on Sunday. Oof. That's that is, nasty. No, that you almost got to work hard to be that bad. Like, that. that's especially right. when you have decent tackles. Too. like offensive tackles i mean like right yeah i keep looking i went back like year by year trying to find another 10 percent third and long and there are years where like the worst team in the league is at like 18 percent. like the worst team in the league doesn't have tom brady at quarterback doesn't have mike evans and chris godwin like twice as good on third and long as the bucks have been it's bad so so my thing on the offense with the bucks that i'm that i noticed in the actually going back in like the opener against dallas after they won the Super Bowl, right? They opened on Thursday night against Dallas, yeah. I believe. Mm-hmm. And neither team ran the ball, <laughs> like, at all in that game. Dak right. threw it a ton, and Tom threw it a ton. And it was week one, make nothing of it. And you just kind of follow both teams going forward, and you're like, wait, both of these teams seem allergic to it. And I think the Dallas has kind of gotten back to it a little bit. Right. But not only do the Bucks not run it well, they just don't do it at all. Like, as you probably know, you got right. all these stats. The last in rushing attempts – Per game, so what I'm sure you guys have, have asked Leftwich and, and, and Todd Bowles, the head coach now. I, I get not being very good at it; it kind of just, just happens. Um, but why aren't they even running the ball that often? Right. Well, it's tough because they don't. They'll, they'll have games where they're not behind by more than like a touchdown, and they'll abandon the run, like as if they were down 17 or something. Um, they ran the ball 20 times against the Rams. It was only good for like 51 yards, but 20 times. Um, and again, like Brady, Brady threw 722 passes last year. It's the second most in NFL history, right? There's like one Stafford year in the 16 game era that's more, and that's it. And he's on pace for more than that this year. I, every year, yeah. I keep thinking, like, take it easy. He's got a bum shoulder. Don't maybe throw it. And again, they won, but they won with him throwing 58 passes on Sunday against the Rams. No picks, which is awesome. Yeah. He's only. He had one more game in his entire career where he's had more throws and not a pick just once. Anytime I figure, anytime Tom Brady's still doing things like for the first or second time, I figure it's it's interesting at least because he's had like 350 games or whatever it is. Yeah, that the the the, the insistence on not not in the insistence, but that just is fascinating. That the, the yeah. that's the the number that jumped out to me. Yeah, it was like their neutral down pass rate according to RBSDM.com. Shout out to the homie Ben Baldwin. It's just yeah, the thing that yeah the ninth that's. This is high. You would think it would be not the opposite, but like I'm, not, I'm sure Pete Carroll probably watches Bucks film and be like, ugh, that's a lot of a lot of throwing right. when you're quarterbacks well, that again, like you figure, okay, strange situation, a little bit colder. Maybe they try and run it. You know, it's like they the one thing they did do is kind of get away from being so Lenny focused in the run game Sunday. Um, Rashad White, the rookie, you know, had more yards than Lenny. Like their number three back hadn't had an offensive snap all season. So it's like, even though you have the worst run game in the NFL, you're not going to try anybody else there either. And he had his first two, he had two carries for four yards. So it's like, okay, that's, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah, again, I sit step. here and I say, well, maybe they run the ball. 
maybe they you know run it 28 times for 90 yards and it's a wild success against seattle on sunday i don't know yeah that's uh uh chris go ahead and uh i know you want to talk about mike a little bit uh i'm go ahead i'm gonna jump in at some point with us uh, <laughs> i want to just pull up seattle's run numbers since Taysom hill and alvin kamara combined for 200 against them because right. i'm sure that's a, i gotta match greg with the stats here because he is <laughs> he's got everything so let me pull stuff and go ahead though on mike while while mike looks up that stat i'm curious you mentioned this could be the game they figure out the run game they 98 yards on 20 plus carries okay but where you mentioned with tom brady throwing it 50 times right do you like the matchup that is between the Seahawks where, okay, you still have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Who do you think has the advantage there in that regard? Are you saying, eh, Seahawks defense, they might be able to slow things down, or you like the fact that they're getting – the Tampa Bay Bucks are getting it out quick. Tom Brady's, what, 2.2 seconds, balls out, getting into receivers' yeah. hands where they're creating separation or getting a key block here and there and making tackles. Who do you think has the advantage, the wide receivers or the Seahawks DBs in this matchup? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I mean, it should be the Bucks receivers. You know, they're certainly more established. I mean, again, I, like I've been so impressed with what Seattle's done with so many young guys all over the field. But Mike Evans, I mean, for whatever reason, he and Brady have kind of regressed this year. I mean, he had that, if you remember the Carolina game, the opening play gets behind the defense what would have been like a 65-yard touchdown, and he just, I mean, it's flat out dropped it off his hands, mm. inexcusable. And, and Mike said, like, Mike kind of went into a dark place. He realized how bad it was to miss that catch. And then even Ravens. I mean, he had a ball that that like bruised his sternum. It hit him so squarely on a deep ball that would have been again forty yards. So they haven't connected. Um, Evans has, I think, he has like six hundred some yards receiving, but they they haven't really had the. You know, it's kind of like because the pressure on Brady um, seems to get to him a little more this year. He's just very content to short dump offs, intermediate passes. I mean, they went into that last drive. Sunday against the Rams. And like the first play was this 28 yard throw to the tight end, Kate Otten. And that was their longest play. That was the first time they had a play longer than 20 yards in the game. Um, so again, it's right now, for whatever reason, it's just Brady is being extremely careful. The fo- focus is getting rid of the ball quickly, not turning it over. If it means you don't score, so be it. Um, like their four wins this year, it's crazy. Like their four wins this year, they've scored 21 or less in all of them. And that wasn't the Bucks' yeah. mo at all. Two years ago, they were averaging like thirty points a game. I think they scored at least twenty-four in like seven of their first eight. Where every game, it's like you know, if you got to thirty points, you're great. Here, they're they're winning these you know Tony Dungy style defensive stalemates. Where again, you don't get a touchdown until the last minute, and you still somehow win. Um, I don't know that Seattle will be like that. Um, it's kind of hard to tell what the style of this game will be. But yeah, I, I do think as I thought for a while, I mean, Chris Godwin, for him to be sitting where he is right now, even coming off an injury, he, he shouldn't be without a touchdown in week 10, knowing the guy he is. Um, maybe that changes. Maybe Germany is what brings it out of him. I don't know. But yeah, it, it's it's an opportunity for him. As good as Wolin's man, as good as this, this defense has been, there's definitely an opportunity. They have the more experience there, whether that shows on Sunday, I don't know.
All right, I got the I got the stat for you guys. Um, All right. It's not it's not as good as some of the ones Greg's been bringing. Uh, he's <laughs> right. The Seahawks for the year giving up like a buck thirty eight uh, on the ground, which is not good. That is like objectively right. bad. Um, since Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara ran all over them, combining for over 200 yards, um, the first time a Pete Carroll defense has allowed that to happen, um, they These are, are allowing stats. 90. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. So I told I, I, I hit, I got, got it in my stat bag real quick. Yeah, this- uh, since uh, week six, uh, to the last four weeks, the Seahawks are only allowing 99.3 rushing yards per game, which is the eighth sure. lowest mark in the league. So right. they've tightened up. They become a. They went from being a, a really bad run defense that could get run all over by Jamal Williams, Taysom Hill, uh, you know Cordell Patterson, to now being, you know, a top ten run defense. So uh, it depends on which version of the Seahawks uh, shows up. I had to just jump in there. I was like, I need some stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, yeah, I think we'll probably see a lot of throws. Whether Gino can keep up with Brady attempt for attempt, I don't know, but probably a lot of throws. Yeah. We're going to find out for sure. I want to look at the defense real quick because I'm just confused. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm going to be real. Like, I looked at the stats. I'm like, they're fifth and giving up points per game at 18, but they're losing. Oh, their offense is really, really bad. So it would help if your offense scored. What is your take on the defense? Is the defense good? Is it bad? Is it somewhere in the middle? What am I missing? I think they're good. And I think they probably even like exceeded expectations. Um, Part of the problem is that they've been hurt, as they were last year. Um, DB's hurt all over the place. They they didn't have Akeem Hicks for seven games. He's a big part of their run defense. Um, having him there frees up Vita Vea a lot. Vita Vea had two sacks. Uh, Washington guy, obviously you guys know him from back then. Um, again, Carlton Davis was there. They were down three of their top four DBs for basically a month. So they're getting back to that. The other thing, again, is that this offense keeps putting them back on the field. Um, you go to the Carolina game, the Baltimore game, they just got tired. I mean, it just, it's, it's like if the time of possession is two to one against you, eventually your defense is going to look gassed. So Carolina, I mean, Carolina ran for 139 in the second half and Carolina is, is a two win team, not a good team. That's, that's like the day after they traded Christian McCaffrey, they gashed them for an entire half running the ball with backups. And then Baltimore, which has a great run offense. Don't get me wrong. Baltimore ran for two of four in the second half on this defense so what sunday did that was a step in the right direction is is they played well for the entire game they they held they held the rams in check they they lost cooper cup for one play gave up a long touchdown but save that they kept them pretty much in check fourth quarter bucks had three three and outs on defense they held the rams to four yards for the quarter and that's why they were able to win so if that's the defense that travels to munich um they're in good shape you know but hasn't been who they've been all year long. I think this defense has definitely been the better side of this team and will only be more so as they get more healthy. If they get Winfield back, that's a huge, huge help. Um, but again, it's it's like they don't want to be winning games 16-13. That's not the, the way they usually do things here. That's fair. How's your confidence level in slowing down this new regime with Geno Smith, who is – Think right. about this. Geno Smith is playing better football than Tom Brady. Who th- who would have thought of that back in August, even in September? Yeah. So how confident are you that this defense can just not get too exhausted? You're hoping that the offense is out there at least putting points on the board and 
sustaining long right. drives, right. but how confident in this defense going up against Seahawks, especially with DK Metcalf, Ty Lockett, and Kenneth Walker yeah. the third, who seems to be the the next Le'Veon Bell or Barry Sanders for all I know. Right. And and Walker might be they might fear Walker more than those receivers right now. Like if they have their two yeah. best corners, if they have Davis and Dean, they should be able to kind of run with Lockett, keep Metcalf in check. Um, they've been a pretty sound secondary when they're healthy. The run defense has not been good. Um, and maybe Hicks healthy changes things. Maybe they get them back to who they want to be because they haven't had him for so long. But this is a really good run game. I mean, Walker has has done extremely well. Um, the Bucks, as a general rule, will try and take away your run first. So they'll definitely try and put it on Geno and, and task him with beating them. Um, and that's two great receivers to throw to. Um you know, they've, they've had games where they let number ones look like number ones. I mean, Cooper Cup for a half looked like he was going to go for about 200, and they kind of <laughs> got, got him figured out a little bit better. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at some point, it's like you, it, it, it's funny to talk to you guys because Seattle, I mean, for you guys, this is probably in terms of teams exceeding expectations and surprising people. You guys are right there. I mean, maybe Giants, you'd say, were, are kind of in that same boat. But it's great. I mean, for them to be where they are at 6-3 – and three, is outstanding, you know, and the Bucks are in the opposite. The Bucks are in first place, but only because they're in a bad division right now. So there's kind of that, okay, is there going to be a regression to mean? Are these teams going to start looking like what we thought they were, or are they going to keep being who they are this year? That, that's what we have to figure out. Yeah, the Seahawks are the, the shock of the league uh, to me. Uh, the Jets being good, yeah. um, a little t- surprising as well. Right. The Giants, I don't actually think they're good. So the that that one's a little they before they played the Seahawks they had they were six and one and they had they were six and one in one score games as well right. like every game they played was by one score and they just happened to win six of them I, as covering the Seahawks for as long as I have I know that's gonna come back on you <laughs> at some point it, it always the ball the ball is right. shaped too funny uh, but I, I joke about the shape of the ball but it really does matter like where where whether it bounces to you on it'll the bounce the other way eventually yeah. Yeah, or or it hits the upright and goes in, or it hits the upright and goes out, or whatever hits the crossbar. Like, it's just you can't just keep counting on the ball to bounce your way in the NFL. I do. I did get back on my stat hunt uh, there for a second because I like these Bucks. The, this is where I think the Bucks are interesting, especially if they get some more guys in the secondary back, because they're making it hard on 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 teams to throw the ball, uh, which is what the Seahawks are doing as well. You know, in net yards per pass attempt. Make sure I got this for the whole season. You know, they're fourth, like yeah. five point seven. So that net yards include sacks. Um, so I was like, okay, how often they get into the quarterback? Then check this sack rate, nine point eight. That's also fourth. Uh, so yeah. like teams are having some issues moving the ball, you know, through the air. And as much as I mentioned that the C- uh, Pete Carroll would look at the Seahawks, or excuse me, look at the Bucks in the way they kind of go about offense with their forty-five year quarterback throwing it all the time. Geno Smith is throwing it all the time too. Um, they're right there, top ten and neutral down uh, pass as well. So we that's why that's this is why I'm projecting a low scoring game. I think yeah, the Bucks defense with their with the way they uh, can the way that that Vita Vea and, and Hicks can plug some holes and the way this secondary can can fly around and make it hard on quarterbacks. It should be interesting. One last thing, Greg. The that crazy it's so, thing. So, uh, the uh, the crazy thing to watch. Is- Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I keep no, I was going to say, the crazy thing to watch is takeaways, in that the Bucks defense is very much predicated on turnovers, takeaways, and they've had none for five straight games, which is, like, impossible. Mm. In the NFL. 
NFL. Not a single takeaway for five straight games. The NFL record is six. So if they go <laughs> Munich and back without one, they've got it. Um, and wow. it's just, it, it, they've, it's crazy. Like I was looking and it's like, uh, it's like in the Bucks history to, to win a game scoring 16 and not forcing a turnover is really hard to do. Like normally if you got a low scoring game, it's because you took the ball away four and five times. So like in Bucks history, it's, it's just the fourth game that they've scored that few points, haven't forced a turnover, and won. So four times in, whatever, 47 years. Again, you, you can't – that can't be your game plan, right? You can't do that with any consistency. So Seattle, again, if you can avoid the turnovers, that's a huge step towards having a good chance against this Bucks team the way they've gone. Ooh, that's another good – okay, let me see if I got a stat for that. Yeah, uh, I'm really? out of stats. <laughs> the Bucks are – 31st in turnover rate on defense. Looks like they are yeah. only better than – that can't be right. They're better than the Eagles? That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Eagles are oh, like turnover 15, or right? Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm looking at that wrong. Uh-oh. All right. Disregard that one. Disregard that okay. one. Uh, I might jump the gun there. Uh, but the one thing, when you when you mentioned his name, I almost forgot about him. Jamel Dean. You said he's one of their best corners. I will never yeah. forget the game he played here in 2019, here being Seattle. Got destroyed. Just, just barbecued the whole like game. Like Metcalf just scored again. <laughs> <laughs> and, now, yeah, was, and that was like Jamel, that was like his um, baptism by fire. Like they're going to keep him out there. They're going to make sure he knows what this feels like. And it was, I mean, again, roasted. Like you said, I forget what it was, but it, it was at least two long touchdowns on him he's been really good size and speed plays with confidence he's gonna be a he's gonna be a coveted free agent this spring because the bucks are in all kinds of cap hell next spring and he'll be a free agent i think they'd like to keep him but he'll he'll be very much the same way i mean carlton davis got like 15 million a year this this past spring for them uh jamel dean will do well in free agency i think this this spring yeah, that's just going to – it's just one of those random NFL things that's always going to blow my mind is watching 35 just get worked up and down the field by DK and Tyler. And then I think after that, his numbers, like, just from that game on were nuts, right? Like, his rookie year, like, just from right. that game on, I think that was week nine, week ten on, it was like, oh, this guy's like a stud. Right. He just – he got rid of it all in one game. Yeah, he gave up everything he's going to give up right then. Until Bruce Arians let Bruce have a bad game. I won't won't happen again. I promise. And then just becomes comes lockdown after after that. It's just it's it's I'll never forget it because I was thinking, man, this thirty five dude's a scrub. Uh. <laughs> he's got crazy, yeah. He's got crazy speed too. The the Bucks in the uh, I forget which game it was now, but they had a kickoff return against him where guy went like eighty seven yards, um, and Jamel Dean out of nowhere. It's one of those like the horse race where you don't even realize the guy's in the picture and just came. To and took him hit like 22 miles an hour um, we were joking in the locker room like you don't want to have to show off your speed chasing somebody down on, on a kickoff return but he did it and i mean that that definitely uh, in terms of being able to keep up with some really gifted speedy receivers on sunday he he's got the legs for that for sure all right yeah i'm, I'm just like that's a random thing i'm just looking forward to and it'll be just hilarious either way if he's like locked down in this game against Munich, it'll be funny considering right. what happened last time. Or if he's barbecue chicken, which I doubt he'll be. But if that happens again, then it's like, oh my god, okay, the Seahawks just have this guy. It's just right. Good luck. He'll remember it. We're not going to have to remind him. Hey, what happened last time in this game? 
So that's a motivation, but it's also the same guy that might be running past him. So who knows? Yeah, no, that's a yeah, it's a random subplot that like probably only the three of us and Jamel and his family <laughs> are gonna be <laughs> paying paying attention to uh, on Sunday. That's that's yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, Greg, that's all we have for you. Man. Oh, one more, one more. I'm sorry, one more, one more. Greg, before we get you out of here, yeah. over or under. I don't know if oh. you remember we did this last time, My but bad. give me an over or under. Tom Brady, 280 and a half passing yards and one and a half touchdowns. What you got? Those are both good. Uh, over on the yards, easy. He'll get those yards, win or lose. Uh, <laughs> I feel good about the yards there. Um, okay. touchdowns are not a Tom Brady thing. It's so funny to say he's got 720 touchdowns in his career. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if he can get two against the Seahawks. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll say two. I, I'll say over because he could get two. All right. It, and it still could be a bad game. I, I would say, I mean, I, he's had 10 passing touchdowns in nine <laughs> games. It's like, okay, got one. Good to go. Where in the first two years, it's like four touchdowns, five touchdowns. Brady's got 40 touchdowns his first year, 43 his second year. And I felt like, super optimistic pegging him at like 25 for the year by giving him whatever it is 15 touchdowns in his remaining eight games so i'll take the over <laughs> but it's a wobbly over over okay, on both perfect. got it i got it wrote, written down we got you over on both we will see how this all fares out Mike fares up mike you want to wrap this up Yes, I do. Um man, the the way the the rate that Tom Brady throws is pretty crazy. Uh I just can't believe it. His arms is going to fall off in week 17. <laughs> I'm calling it. Uh the Bucks actually are 22nd. They they uh, the Bucks are 22nd in turnovers uh forced per drive, which okay. is not that bad. I, I was reading the stat backwards. Um I was reading right. it through the off ones. Yeah, cuz that's why Philly was so high. I was like that makes sense. Five, five of those are Saints in week 2. That's the other thing. If you take that one week out it like cuts him in half. Okay. And those were Jameis too, right? Didn't he just implode in the Jameis. fourth of that game? Four, yeah, four <laughs> turnovers in the fourth quarter. That was Jameis reverting back to his worst version of himself. Oh boy, yeah. So much that for the is... LASIK. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that was the thing. LASIK was such bucks. <laughs> but everything with Jameis is Jameis is talking about LASIK and how it's going to help him out. He's talking to reporters in New Orleans, and he's explaining that with LASIK. Uh, the one thing about LASIK, he says, to, to explain why it helps him is that if you're hit by an uninsured motorist, you can see their license plate as they drive away. <laughs> Only Jameis. <laughs> All right, well, okay, well, that's good. If that happens, you can definitely get their plate. It also might help you see receivers down the field and hey, know where the DBs are. Here? <laughs> yeah. or, or license plates, whatever. <laughs> 30 I mean, for both, 30. I get it. <laughs> both are useful, I guess. I was there for all of it. Yeah. Oh, man. Also, one of my favorite NFL seasons, Greg, is the, the, the Jameis 30 for 30 season, man. It was great. I was in the press box checking Jameis' box score every week, religiously. Ended the season with a pick six to lose the game. That was his on the way out, last pass as a buck. <laughs> Poetry. Oh, You can't man. make it up. <laughs> no, you really, first you pass, really can't. His first pass, also a pick six. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. I guess the Titans, I think. Uh, yeah. Yep. Un- unreal. Just sensible. Beautiful. Beautiful, man. Shout out to Jameis. Uh, uh, that, that I promise, this time, Greg, is the last thing we had for you. Uh, we appreciate you uh, giving us some time. Appreciate all you guys t- tuning in to the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast, our YouTube viewers, Spotify, Apple, The Athletic, wherever you're getting it. We appreciate the love. Uh, 
I'm Chris, or that's Chris. I'm Mike. I almost, that's the first time I ever screwed that up. Um, that's our our, uh, our guest, Greg Almon. Greg, thank you. I will see you in Munich. To our listeners, we will catch you it's guys. It's so cool to be able to say week. that. I know, right? Chris, like, thank you, That's man. amazing. <laughs> You're in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll catch you guys uh, later this week. Um, and, until then, we're out. Show you